What you're about to listen to was originally broadcast on 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth, Western Australia. For details, go to the website 98five.com. We're on 98.5. This is Weekdays with Mike and joining me on the line this morning is Daniel who is a youth advocate and educator with Collective Shout, a movement of people committed to a world free of sexploitation. Good morning Daniel, good to talk to you again. Good morning, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you've moved since we spoke to you last time. You're based in Perth, but you're uh, you're doing a lot of talks around the, the nation, and you're up in Queensland again, is that right? I am. I've fortunately missed the uh, floods in Brisbane. Oh. Um, now I'm up in, in sunny Townsville at the moment, so working with schools and, and the YWAM community here. Awesome. Now, when we spoke to you a fortnight ago, we had a, quite a few questions coming in, and we didn't get to all of them, but we're going to kick off sure. with one of those first Daniel, when we finished off a fortnight ago, uh, we had a um, message come in from Carolyn, and Carolyn's asking that she's got a question for you. How can you? How can I help my son, who is thirteen years old, talk about his feelings about what he sees when he won't tell me that he has seen porn images? What would be your advice for Carolyn this morning? Yeah, great. It's a great question. It's a, you know, it really gets to the heart of the matter of how we actually have these conversations with, with our young people. And I would just say as a, as, a, as a starting point is that we don't have to get it perfect the first time, mm-hmm. that this isn't just a once-off sex talk of, of how we would perceive this perhaps in previous generations, but this is just an ongoing conversation that we have with young people that could be around social media, could be around sexualized media, technology. And I'm saying all that because I think it's good to look for opportunities to talk about what they're being exposed to, what conversations they're having, what they're seeing on TV, to be able to link it into what they may be exposed to in their day-to-day lives through through different media. So when you say, so it's not a one-time, so how do you even, um, what would be, uh, what would you even say to your 13-year-old boy as to it's, encourage him to open up? It's a up? great, yeah, it's a great question. So I think obviously, even though it's, it's not a one-off, but of course we want to be prepared. We want to create a private, unpressured opportunity where you can talk. I always think as another practical tip, it's always good to use stories or your own personal experience if you feel comfortable Uh, And then I think where it really is important to start is that acknowledging that they may be exposed to things online that may be troubling for them, that may make them uncomfortable, but that they're not bad or wrong if this has happened to them, because these are obviously industries that prey on young people and prey on them in times where they cannot make sense of necessarily what they're seeing. So I think it's really important to establish, and not just for this conversation, but but so many around these sensitive topics, that they're not in trouble if they're honest and open up, because we want them to, to keep those lines of communication open, and we want them to feel like they're safe uh, to continue to have these conversations with us. So we may be tempted to panic or freak out because the online world is a scary world, but we definitely want to emphasize that we need a lot of grace and a lot of um you know, gentleness in the approach. And I think it's also important to reassure them that it is normal and curious to be interested in sex, relationships and bodies, but they may be exposed to things online and and through their phones and through gaming that aren't going to necessarily teach them good values uh, about sex and relationships and our bodies that are anchored in love and care and commitment. And I think just to invite any opportunities for them to ask questions about that 
Daniel, is um, is the, the feedback that you get from particularly the boys is is fear a big one? Fear of um, what mum or dad might say? I think that that's definitely a concern. I think there's a, there's a sense where they wonder if they're going to get in trouble. Um, I think the other thing is everybody thinks it's more awkward than what it is, but. The boys routinely tell me that they appreciate that I'm honest with them. And I recognize as an outsider, there's an ease for me to have that conversation with them mm. and to be a catalyst. And I obviously always advocate for them to then speak with their parents or a trusted adult about what they're seeing and what they're being exposed to. Daniel, is timing uh, when to talk to your 13-year-old boy and location play a part in this? Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes it might be easier if it's going for a walk or, or driving in the car. You'd never want them to feel trapped, uh, that they that they have to have the conversation. But if it's something that could naturally happen around other topics, and I think the other way that's quite helpful is, as I touched on earlier, if, if something comes up to be able to ask them something, like if they hear something in the news, because I'm always shocked by what you know, even your sixes and your sevens tell me about what they've heard in the news and be able to ask them, or, well, what do you think that means? Or how do you understand that? Because that gives you an indication of how they're making sense of their world around them. And sometimes it might be harder to, for them to tell you directly what they've seen or experienced. So you could ask, you know, are your friends at school or are your friends at the footy club? Like, have they seen this stuff or what are they saying about these topics? Uh, because your kid may, may find it easy to talk about this in, in a broader sense rather than saying this is what I've seen or this is what I think. But maybe this is what my friends are saying or this is what my friends think about these topics. Mm, that's great, Daniel. Look, that was a great question from Caroline and I'm sure that would have uh, a lot of people can resonate with that question from Caroline. So thank you so much for your question. Daniel, we'll take a break. We'll come back and chat some more. Keen to talk to you about consent education. You are on 98.5. Daniel, I was keen to talk to you about consent education. Uh, the Australian curriculum is undergoing, I think it's a once in a six year review, and there are suggestions that now is the time to make some changes. Where, where is all that out at, and what's your thoughts on consent education? Yeah, it's a great question, Mike, and it made the news a few weeks ago, and it's been a, mm. a year-long push started by an Instagram poll by a young woman in Sydney called Chanel Contos where she was just polling her friends and asking about their experiences of sex education and sexual assault. And this went viral, as some things tend to do in this day and age. And it, it sparked mm. a bit of a movement pushing for, for consent education. And that's now been agreed to by the education ministers across all of the states and territories in Australia. And of course, uh, at Collective Shout, we welcome this as a, as a positive step uh, however, we do have reservations, which I'm happy to, to speak to, mm. uh, given that we don't actually know what is in the curriculum and, and who's going to be expected to teach it and things like that. But obviously, it's, it's definitely a positive step and something that's needed to acknowledge the harms being done, the sexual entitlement, the sexual harassment and assault that is occurring both in, in young people and at schools. And so it's important that at least the reality of that that is acknowledged uh, but the important conversation now to have is how do we actually go about addressing that? And, and quite challenging, you know, how much, you know, everyone wants something in the in the curriculum. Um, interesting right. with, with that lady, that Chanel, uh, there was around yep. about 43,000 people have actually signed her petition for consent to be included in the Australian school's sex education so a curriculum. So uh, that's interesting. I mean, that, I would have thought that's quite a lot from, from a young person. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a wonderful uh, push, and, and she rallied an incredible amount of momentum. And I'm grateful for her courage to speak up in, on these on these issues. For me and and for our team, yeah, as I said, we're we're waiting to see what is actually in the curriculum and and what we can say um, emphatically at this moment is there's been no talk of sexualized media and specifically pornography and that being addressed and how much that is a driver of the sexual attitudes, the scripts, the behaviours that young people are being shaped and groomed by. And so whilst we welcome it, we definitely have reservations and, and perhaps, and we hope this isn't the case, that it actually is a missed opportunity to address one of the most significant cultural drivers impacting the harmful beliefs and behaviours of young people in this space, which is obviously the global porn industry. So you would like to see that that particular topic included some somewhere somewhere in that curriculum regarding specifically yeah. talking about the porn culture that's right that's exactly right because this the, the the global research is so clear on the impacts of pornography to relationships obviously there's harms at every every point in the process of creating and consuming it but in terms of young people there's a couple of articles or, or, or papers being written in australia there's the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare from 2017 looked at pornography and its impacts on young people. Mm -hmm. And then more recently in 2020, we have Our Watch, who also produced a similar report looking at the harms of pornography on young people. And so for me, I think if we're, if we're going to address this topic and want to really address concepts of sexual assault uh, and the reality of that, well, then we have to tackle pornography. And so that's something that I think gets missed. And sometimes with consent and the way that it's approached, it reduces sex and, and sexual activity to something that's transactional. But of course, we see consent as a bare minimum. But are we actually going to teach other things that are equally, if not more important to, to sex, looking at things like love, like commitment, like mutuality, like respect, and all these other things that are actually uh, so necessary and life-giving uh, in something that we see as obviously significant and sacred? Daniel, we'll take a break. We've been talking about consent education. What's, what about, we seem to put everything back on the school. What part do, do parents play in this role? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question, Mike, and something I always have to be a bit diplomatic about mm. because I'm, I'm neither a teacher nor a parent, uh, but obviously someone who's a passionate advocate in this space. And I think that is a reality and something that we hear from teachers and my sister's a teacher is that there is so much expected of teachers in this time to mm -hmm. not only deliver what they have to, but given what we're seeing in schools, you know, they feel that they're overwhelmed with, um, you know, trauma and, and assaults and things at school that previously they just didn't have to deal with as, as the rise of social media and sexualized media becomes increasingly common. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that is definitely an mm -hmm. acknowledgement. And this is why we need, you know, healthy families, good communities, good churches that can actually step up and, and lighten the burden for everyone because we have to do this stuff collectively. Surely we share the load. I mean, it, absolutely, there can be in the curriculum, but surely, you know, we need to take responsibility as parents as well and uh, and it's a shared, shared thing, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously that's why we try and equip parents and we do our community parent nights mm -hmm. and try and make these conversations as simple as possible by explaining to staff and parents and community members the, these are the types of things your young people may be exposed to. This is how we're addressing it with them and, and we're obviously encouraging them to continue these conversations mm -hmm. at home with you, with older siblings, etc. 
Daniel, now we've been chatting about consent education. I'm curious to know, have, what sort of feedback have you up in Townsville now around talking to schools, talking to teenagers? What's the feedback that you get? What's, what have you heard from them while you've been up there in Queensland? Yeah, yeah look, it's, it's, it's always interesting working with teenagers because there's obviously a, a bit of a mushy middle where you never know quite what's going on. But yeah, I, there's beautiful photos that my colleague took where we had young boys both in middle school and senior school who just wouldn't leave my side afterwards because they just had so many questions. They just wanted to talk and, and hang out. And for me, like principal to write something nice about me which is always lovely but when you have young blokes wanting to stick around and, and continue chatting with you well after school uh, that's the stuff that for me resonates deeply and, and suggests that these young people are wanting to have these open and honest conversations and what they say to us is that no one's really um, spoken to them as, as directly as what we do and I'm pretty honest I share my own stories I share the stories that I'm hearing as well as the science and, and what's actually happening for them as they're negotiating a, a hypersexualized world and for the young boys in particular that it's not encouraging them to be good young men it's 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 actually becoming a hindrance and another obstacle that they have to get through it at this very formative time of their life but the boys tell us you know they've had people speak to them um, about consent to some degree but they've not necessarily had someone explain to them the harms of pornography and, and hypersexualization uh, to them in such blunt and direct terms it's really interesting that the few times I've spoken to you and the feedback that you provide from the, the, all the schools you go to, I, I get a sense that there is a hunger from a lot of the teens to make a change for the better. I think so. And I think it's about challenging what is, but not just leaving it there and giving them a vision that's worth aspiring mm. to. And that's always my encouragement. You know, I was meeting with university lecturers yesterday, my colleague Melinda Tankard-Reese and I, and... I said the distinctive of what we were doing, because they were doing a lot of preventative harm measures, but I said what's a beautiful thing that we can offer, especially in faith-based schools, is a vision of like, what is it to be a good young man or a good young human, you know, good young woman? And so it's not just about resisting these things and overcoming and being resilient, uh, given the, the world they're growing up in, but hopefully giving them a vision of, of themselves, of relationships, of friendships, of marriage, of family that's worth aspiring to. And I think that, for me, is, is, is an important part of this because I think we all deep down yearn for that. Yeah. Daniel, are you okay to hang on just a little bit longer? Well, uh, is Absolutely. It... We're on 98.5 Weekdays with Mike. Joining me on the line is regular guest Daniel from Collective Shout. Uh, Daniel, we've got to also Cynthia on the line. Cynthia, you've got a uh, question for Daniel? Hello. This... Hello, Cynthia. Hello, Mike. Hello, Daniel. <laughs> Good morning. How are you, uh, no, Cynthia? It... Very well, thank you, and God bless you, Daniel, for the wonderful oh, work you. you're doing. It is so, so necessary. I just wanted to make a comment, really. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking about it after you had, uh, after I'd spoken to you last time. The definition of pornography in the dictionary is writing, films, or pictures designed to be sexually exciting. Well, as Christians, we know that Satan is the evil ruler of this world and his values are the exact opposite to our wonderful creator God. And he is out to pull mankind down and destroy families in any way he can. And this is just another of his ways, lust. Now, I'm ringing to say I think that we as Christian women, uh, especially parents, have a great responsibility 
to um, teach our children the word of God about absolutely everything. Deuteronomy 6 tells parents that it doesn't matter what you're doing, introduce the Lord's values into things. Whatever you're doing, you can do it in a fun way, you can do it very naturally. But um, 1 Timothy 2.9 says that women should adorn themselves in modest apparel. And my concern is for our precious young people falling into the trap of naturally they don't want to be the odd one out, but the necklines are getting lower and the uh, bottoms are getting higher and um, this is not good. This is not good. It, it, that is in itself a form of pornography mm. to show the body off in ways that are only meant for our husbands um, and I believe that mothers and fathers, mothers in particular, should not be ashamed to teach our young people these things. Those who say they are Christian especially, that's what I'm referring to. Because unfortunately, um, even our wonderful celebrities, some of them claim to be Christians in the sporting field. Uh, but when you see the pictures in the newspapers of their precious partners, and, and of course they want to be as glamorous as everybody else, but unfortunately, they're copying the standards of this world. So if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to call ourselves by his name, that is Christian, we need to follow his word about absolutely everything. And it doesn't mean we have to be dowdy and wear things down to our ankles and up to our neck and everything else. You can still look beautiful, um, but don't show off those parts of the body. I'd like to sh um, comment on Peter Lyndon James, who runs Shalom House. Uh, I've been to some of the baptisms, or, or one baptism that he had in the river at Christmas time. Many of his um, the participants in his program for rehabilitation from drug addiction, mm -hmm. and of course that brings in every other kind of of. Um, um, crime and everything, uh, he refused to allow the girls uh, to wear low neckline bathers and anything that was provocative looking, uh, he made them dress modestly. Yeah. And I really admired him for that because he's been there, done that, and he knows what is dangerous. Mm. Um, Cynthia, so he's standing yeah. up for modesty. Yes, I'm yeah. taking a lot of yeah. time. Look, I love your passion, really do. I love you. It's it's regular Cynthia on the phone. We really appreciate you coming on, Cynthia, and having a chat to us. Uh, Daniel, just to wrap up there, I mean, really, Cynthia made some great points. E even just the, the dress, the being modest, hey? Yeah, look, it's definitely not a focus that I speak to being a young man. Uh, I'm not going to speak out to that too much, but mm. it's more looking at, like, what is culture valuing women for? Mm. Um, so I totally understand where Cynthia is coming from, but I, yeah. I really feel for our young women in this culture mm. where that's what they're they're asking, you know, they're, they're being shaped and, and what culture is asking of them to be conform to. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely a tough time to be a young woman uh, and to think through these issues yeah, good look. Good on you, Cynthia. Really love you calling in this morning. Uh, Daniel, you okay to hang on a bit longer? We've still got some calls coming through. Wouldn't mind just getting through a couple of more questions that have come through. And a very good morning, Bronte from Kilm. Scott, you got a question for Daniel this morning? I do. Good morning, Mike and Daniel. Good morning. Um, I have a question. As a youth group leader, how can I teach young men about positive uh, male masculinity when society is all about toss, 
toxic male masculinity? Oh, great question, Bronte. It's a, it's, a, it's a great question. Thank you so much. Mm. I, I think that's a, a great starting point is to be able to make that observation. So mm. I think one of the things that I try to do in schools and with youth groups is ask the young men in particular to unpack what are some of the cultural dictates and stories that they feel that they need to abide by. Things like drinking beer, being tough, not having emotion, getting into fights, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's important to be able to critique that, to put that up and, and recognize how that's not actually helping young men be everything they want to be. And obviously for, for communities of faith, the, the plus side is that you get to cast a positive vision of what it would look like to be a good and, and hopefully godly man. And so that's what I would encourage us to do is to critique what's not helping them, but then point to a vision of what it is just to be a good human ultimately what it looks like to actually live a life of love, of decency, of respect, of kindness, of, of empathy, because we know that both social media and sexualized media are crushing the empathy mm. out of young people and making them callous. So I think that's an awesome undertaking um, for you to be doing. And in your youth group is helping the young men in particular aspire to something far greater for their lives. Yeah, I, I found it's, it's more a generational thing too. That's interesting. Uh, Daniel, what, do you also would give talks to youth groups like, like where Bronte is? Is that part of what you would do, not only schools? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll share with any mm. audience that would have me to unpack these ideas and, and help them think well about what it is to raise you know, kind and decent men in this age because it obviously is hard and, and this generation has more challenges than any others when it mm. comes to you know, having um, disordered ideas about what it is to be a good young man in this world. Mm. Bronte, if you will put you back on hold. Thanks for calling in. That's a, such a great question, and it must be uh, quite a challenge for you as a youth group leader. You're seeing this um, every week, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, um, we're in Gosnell, so we're a, demographically, we're a, a youth group full of kids who come from um, socioeconomic families or kids that aren't brought up in Christian homes. So it's it's trying to get to those kids who aren't you know, a part of the Christian um, norm, as you would say. So mm. it's trying to, you know, unpack the the social norms and the, what society says and actually say, you know, this is what God says, not what yeah. society says. Love it, Bronte. Look, yeah. really, thanks for calling in. We'll uh, we'll get if you hold on there, we'll get some details to you. Uh, that would be a great opportunity for Daniel to actually uh, head out there and give a talk to uh, and be part of that and help help the um, help Bronte's youth group, Daniel. Yeah, sounds fantastic. Obviously, we we welcome those opportunities mm. and see the local church playing such a huge role and raising the next generation to be kind and empathetic young people. Daniel, well, I'm running late, but it's been a hot topic this morning. There's one more. There's a couple of text messages coming through. This person is anonymous, uh, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, this person says, and thank you so much for your text message, the protection of women and the Me Too, etc. campaigns have failed to address the issue of pornography and its devastating effect it has for respect of others, especially male attitudes to females in the sexual realm. It seems to me that it is not a coincidence that the recent internet ease of access to pornography and it being seen as normal sees an increase in the incidence of sexual assaults. I thought that really uh, was well articulated by that person. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great comments. And, and of course, we needed a Me Too movement and, and we've needed them in every sector of society because of what's happened to women. But mm. of course, if we actually want to make long lasting change and make demonstrative change, then, yeah, we need to address pornography and everything that kind of in entrenches male sexual entitlement and poor attitudes to women so it's wonderful to be able to speak about this mike and yeah, to speak is. with people across all schools and churches who are wanting to think well and hopefully you know encourage the next generation to live well uh, with regards to these challenges they're facing love it uh, good chat daniel and it's a uh, love the work you're doing we'll look forward to catching up here at a fortnight's time and we'll just continue this conversation looking forward to it thanks mike appreciate you having me on absolute pleasure that is daniel from collective shout for more details on this and other programs contact 98.5 sunshine fm perth western australia or visit the website 98five.com